What's cooking, everybody? It's Wednesday, November 25th. It's Thanksgiving Eve, and this is the Poor Couples Food Guy Deep Dish Podcast, where we do a deep dive on all your favorite foods. I'm your host, Poor Couples Food Guy Eric, aka The Goose, aka The Crimson Curry Kid. And with me, as always, is my lovely co host, Poor Couples Food Guy Meg, aka Lay Skunk, aka The Pizza Slinging Bandit. Howdy. And together we are the rootinest, tootinest, poor couple foodiest pair in the Southwest. We hope you're hungry for some tasty knowledge facts because today your main course is going to be some chili con carne. Let's get started with this week's appetizers. So any of our game show aficionado fans out there might know that they brought back Supermarket Sweep for the first time since... 2000 early 2000s yeah and uh we're related because we fucking love that show Uh, i mean before we even knew each other we both grew up independently watching it watching it in the 90s and early 2000s like me and my sister our dream was always to be on supermarket sweep because we watched it like every day after school i think it was on not UPN. On, I think it was on Channel 9, yeah. whatever that was. It might have been UPN. UPN, maybe. Proto-UPN. And then I think it moved to Lifetime. Something like that. Yeah, but, I used uh, to watch it either by myself or with my mom. And I wanted to be on it, too. What uh, kid doesn't want to just go running through the grocery right? store, just, like, grabbing all the cool shit? Right. It's basically, like, um, it's basically like the grown-up version of the old Nickelodeon game shows. One of the prizes was, oh, yeah, like... yeah, they got the shopping spree yeah, they the toy give, store. Yeah, so it was basically that, but for adults... But uh, in the form of a competition, if for some reason you're not familiar with Supermarket Sweep, basically it's a game show where they would, the first half of the show, they would like answer questions about trivia and stuff. And instead of getting points, you built up time for your like total time for shopping later. And all that time would like culminate later on in like the The big big sweep. sweep. Yeah. And the big sweep, you had, like, whatever, like, say you racked up two and a half minutes. You had two and a half minutes to just run around this little supermarket that they set up for this game show. And just get as much shit into your cart as possible so that it would add up. And, you know, back then, like, most of the good scores were, like, in the thousands or something. Yeah, low thousands. They had, like, bonuses and stuff. You could get these, like, big inflatable things. uh, You know, big inflatable, like... The bonuses Food. are my favorites. I always just wanted yeah. to have the bonuses. They would have just like a giant root beer can yeah. that was inflatable. Or like they always had like a big thing of the Jolly Green Giant. Yeah. They were just so random. It, there was something very charming about it though. Because it was like really like not half-assed. It was just. But. I don't think kitschy. But like I don't know. It, it, kitschy is it's just like really slapdash. Like it felt like. It kind of feels like this friggin' podcast. <laughs> just like slapped together by like people who barely tangentially know what they're doing but for a game show but it worked and it was a lot of fun so yeah. they, they brought that back it's on abc now yeah we were really worried because abc yeah has a habit of ruining the shows they bring back they got a bad track record because what they do is like i think just something in like i don't know in showbiz now there's just like this rule for all channels where it's like oh you're a game show you need to have a six million dollar budget yeah. And just be really over the top. It's got to be a freaking phenomenal, just like a spectacle. Instead of game shows back in the day were just like an audience yeah. and like some like set pieces that like moved around because everything was on like wheels back yeah. then. And like they were like, you know, chill. And they were probably like pretty low budget. Now everything has to be like big, huge effects and shit and like celebrity cameos. So yeah, we were, we were a little twitchy, but, but it's good. We yeah, like it's it. Yeah, it's been good. It's Enjoying been... it. 
The only thing I don't like is that instead of making it a half hour, like the original was, it's still basically two half hour shows, but they've mushed them together yeah. into an hour. So each episode is a half hour, but they block it into one yeah. thing. So, but uh, they got Leslie Jones as hosting. And at first, like, I, I've never really like saw much of Leslie Jones. She's just like funny black lady. And like, uh, like, I don't know. I never saw much of her. I know she was on Saturday Night Live, right? Yeah. So like, I've seen some stuff, but like, I was a little like, mm, I don't know. She might be a little bombastic for the show. Plus, like, but, I don't know, David Ruprecht holds a place in our heart yeah, for the original, original host. host. He, he was just like, if you're, like, you're just lovable cousin or uncle, like, your favorite uncle was hosting the yeah. show. But, uh, yeah, Leslie Jones, she she's actually really cool with it. Because, yeah. like, like, at first I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. But I came around to, if anything, at the very least, like, she's a lot of fun. And yeah, she's very quippy, she is. which is good. Yeah. And she's got a lot of energy. But the thing that really seals it and the the reason like i get annoyed when i see people like bitching about her as the host now so oh she's too loud she's apparently like she was just like a huge fan of the original show and like she like fought and made all these like conversations to like make this revival happen yeah so basically it wouldn't even be back if it wasn't for her yeah so it's like you know what she could be the worst host (laughs) on the planet for all i care like it's her show like she she brought it she earned it so like whatevs Luckily, she is a good host. It's fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I don't know. We're not getting paid by ABC or whatever, unfortunately. But, like, if you, you know, Plus if they you want like to have us show, on to be yeah, contestants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. Go check it out. It's on ABC on, like, Sunday nights, I think, like, 8 or something. Or nobody yeah, watches. We always watch it on DVR. Yeah, nobody, nobody watches live TV anymore. Everyone just, like, DVRs everything. So. It's whatever. funny seeing the price dif- the difference in totals. Yeah. Like we said, it, like, winning. Like back then, back in like the nineties, the winning tolls were like a thousand yeah. or something. Now it's like three thousand. <laughs> yeah, three thousand, four thousand. Some people have over five thousand dollars in groceries. Yay. So yeah. Speaking of inflation and supermarkets, we also uh, we have a few more days left before we get to do our advent calendars. Yay. Which like advent calendars back in the day, I my heart goes out to all the kids <laughs> and people who had advent calendars in like nineteen. 40 or something because back then i'm pretty sure most advent calendars were just like these handcrafted beautiful wooden like dioramas and you just you open, like a button in them yeah you open a little thing and you got like a button in if even or it was like some of them just you opened it and there was just like a thing inside that was fixed in there yeah. just a little figure now you got advent calendars of like barbie dolls and race cars and friggin' she got a cheese calendar she's got an advent calendar from aldi that is cheese i have like some fancy chocolate truffles one they had a coffee one yeah i really wanted the coffee one some aldi uh and other stores get wine calendars Mm. now for all the fucking alcoholics out there that like to pretend that they're classy because it's okay because they drink wine and uh also not for humans but for animals like charlie yeah they have pet advent calendars yeah that's that's a good development over <laughs> yeah. the past five years like um so all three of us have our advent calendars starting on december 1st yeah so uh, and then also on top of that we also have this giant advent <laughs> calendar that aldi stock that's like a uh it's like a craft advent calendar yeah. it's basically just like each it's a 12-day it's, it's a 12-day one and normally i think 12-day ones are bullshit because what is like why would you want 12 days to count yeah. down christmas it's not like you're doing unless it's for people who are like no open it on christmas and celebrate the 12 days of christmas maybe but the, 
No, yeah. that's stupid. Yeah. That's dumb. That's a dumb idea because the idea of an advent calendar is you are counting down the days in Advent. Yeah, Advent to, is like a thing. That yeah, that's in the frame. Christian calendar. Advent is the like countdown to Christmas. So, and then Christmas itself is its own season. So enjoy that little bit of like biblical trivia <laughs> for the three people out there that actually care. But yeah, like it's stupid to. I don't know. It's a countdown. That's what's fun is you get a special treat yeah. every day. And then also you're one day closer to fucking Christmas. <laughs> Christmas is awesome. Like yeah. what more could you want? Especially, I don't know. Like I said, like now it's just like, especially if you get like the Hot Wheels ones or ones that have toys. Cause it's like, oh, you're ready for like Christmas where you can get a shit ton of toys <laughs> delivered to your house. Well, every day leading up to that, you get another <laughs> fucking toy. Enjoy that. The craft one makes sense for being 12 it days. It does. Though, That's what I was going us, with like, that two days to get the crafts done yeah except that origami calendar i got <laughs> yes two years ago oh yeah it informed us of anything it's that we do not do things the day they nope. are it was an origami <laughs> page a day. A day yeah which great idea in theory yeah it was fun i love doing origami because when i gr was growing up i was a fucking weeb that was just like i like japan stuff and as an adult i am a classy dignified adult who says i'm very into japanese <laughs> and eastern cultures but, uh, yeah, it uh, didn't work. We did, like, 20 maybe total <laughs> yeah. of the 365 days. Yeah, we made it to, like, February, and then they started piling yeah. up. Then we had just, like, a stack, stack like, this thick, like, two <laughs> inches thick of just paper. And we would do one occasionally, and then we ended up just recycling most of them. And now we yeah. have this table out in the hallway of our apartment building where we just have, like, 30 origami yeah. bees just sitting there, and I don't know. Sometimes they get blown away, or people steal them because people in our building are pricks. I don't know. But, but Hopefully with yeah. every other day for the craft advent calendar, we'll actually accomplish the craft. Yeah, especially because, like, the crafts, they're probably pretty simple. Like, I think one of them is, like, one of those, like, plastic, like, stained glass window thingies. Oh, so, like, man. paint that, like, find, like, 10 minutes. So, uh, yeah, we're real excited, like... I think everyone should be excited for Christmas of the year. Like, everyone knows that 2020 has been a horseshit year. So, can we at least just, like, get together and have some good old-fashioned Christmas fun? That said, those of you who have already had your Christmas tree and lights up for a week and a half or Fuck two... Fuck you. Yeah, again, that's not cool. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. Bullshit. I know everyone is in a big rush, like, Oh, we're so miserable this year. We figured it would make us happy. I got news for you. You are the people who are, like... December 27th are going to have your trees out on the friggin' street and going to be taking all your decorations like, I'm fucking sick of Christmas. So you know what? You're full of shit. And without further ado, I present to you today's main course. Chili con carne is a delicious hearty stew made up of all the most southwestern flavors that exist in the culinary kingdom. Colloquially, it's usually just referred to as chili in modern times, but uh, the phrase chili con carne is Spanish. It literally translates to chili with meat. We, uh, we wanted to give you a little bit better of an explanation for that, but uh, like more literal than chili with meat, but uh, the word chili doesn't actually have like a translation. Like I never actually knew this, but like chili peppers, like chili is just the name of the peppers, like in old Mesoamerican languages, like Aztec and Mayans and stuff. It doesn't mean anything, doesn't translate anything, it's just it's just a chili. It'd be like if there was like a fruit named after me, like the Eric fruit. Eric doesn't mean anything, it's just a name. It's just Eric. It doesn't mean anything. Eric does have a meaning though. Oh, really? I googled it. Eric Do me tell. Eric means always ruler and is Scandinavian in origin. Cool. <laughs> in case I was always wondering. Ruler. 
My name means pearl and is Welsh in origin. So together we shall always rule the pearls. Yes. Or something like that. I don't know. We're getting off topic though. And off topic was the last episode. That's true. Let's get back on topic because we're going to go off topic a million times in this episode. <laughs> just like every episode. Anyway, chili is very much one of those foods where just like everyone on the face of the earth has their own way of making it. Like their own little recipe they follow with all these little opinions about what it should be and what it shouldn't be, what goes into it. Like... If you're into cooking, like even loosely, you probably have a chili recipe of your own. Your mom probably has a chili recipe of her own. Your aunt probably has one. Your uncle has one. Your aunt's secret love child that you're not supposed to tell anyone about. They have a recipe. Part of the reason for this is because, similar to curry, there's no one exact definition of chili and how to make it. It's just a loose collection of similar ingredients and foods turned into a big bowl of foodie goodness. So despite that, uh, chili does tend to have a few common traits among the varieties of it. So notably, it's got to contain chili peppers or chili powder at the bare minimum. I mean, hell, it's called chili con carne. So without that, I don't know, without chili con, car chili con carne without chili, it'd be like throwing a scoop of ice cream onto a plate and saying, who's ready for some apple pie a la mode with, with, without the pie? <laughs> Next up, uh, considering that it's chili con carne, carne meaning meat, uh, it also gets meat in there as well. Though, you do see a lot of vegetarian chili nowadays that leaves out the meat because vegetarians just can't seem to get enough of non-vegetarian dishes for some reason, ironically. But that aside, the meat is typically ground or chopped meat, or most commonly beef, sometimes you see turkey, though technically you really could just make it whatever kind of meat you want. Like, you know, the liquid stew portion, uh, it's usually comprised of broth and juices from tomatoes, uh, other types of vegetables and stuff that break down when they're cooked and turning it into a stew. And beyond this, well, the sky's the limit. This is where the whole everyone's go their, got their own recipe comes into play. Frequently, you see onions, garlic, other types of peppers, a shit ton of different spices like cumin, coriander, pepper, bay leaves, cayenne pepper, or maybe cinnamon? Because oh. <laughs> as we covered in the pumpkin spice episode, everybody's secret ingredient to everything ever is always cinnamon. <laughs> Lots of recipes call for cheese, either added in during cooking or as a topping. Sometimes you see oddball add-ins like soy sauce, balsamic vinegar, coffee, or cocoa. Honestly, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, it's a lot like curry. The whole idea behind chili is your goal is to just cook all these like different ingredients and tastes and all these awesome flavors into one unified, badass, super flavor conglomerate. Chili peppers have their earliest origins in Mesoamerica, where early South American peoples were farming them 5,000 years ago. Maybe even almost 9,000 years ago, based on some evidence. Interestingly... They're one of the oldest farmed crops in the world and were incredibly important to the cultures of early Mesoamerican civilizations who have been farming them for almost as long as they've existed. And um, yeah, contrary to a lot of the paleo diet arguments, farming has been around for a long time. It's not some weird, relatively modern invention that started some sort of doom and gloom misstep for humans like you hear in conversations about paleo. Uh, yeah, speaking of paleo shit, uh, I gotta say, I'm really, really glad that, like, it seems like the paleo movement is kind of calmed down a little. Like, it seems, you still, you still see garbage for it, but, like, it seems like it's, you know, moving on a little bit. Like, uh, I don't know, can we all just, like, go back to agreeing that, like, produce and vegetables and fruits are good and that farming overall is a good thing? Like, I don't know, it takes a real special kind of ignorance to soapbox about how we should stop eating vegetables. 
<laughs> like, think about that one. Like, corn, it's it's great. Sweet potatoes, awesome. Beans, good for you. No, it's no good. It's all junk food. We shouldn't be eating those highly nutritious superfoods that contain high concentrations of vitamins and fiber. It's way better to eat large amounts of venison and beef and other red meats that raise your risk of cardiovascular disease. That's so much healthier than eating garbage like oats, and it's way better. That's how humans are supposed to live, with heart disease. Uh, in case you couldn't tell by the sarcasm, uh, honestly, the paleo diet is pretty sus. Like, very little scientific evidence backs up any of its health claims at all. Like, okay, in general, yes, Eating less processed food and less sugar is generally a good idea, and it'll benefit your health. But you don't need to buy into a stupid, like, 20-year-old fad diet and shove fistfuls of salmon into your mouth day and night to accomplish less processed food and less sugar. The idea of basing a diet off of an era which features no documentation of human diets, uh, outside of vague archaeological guesses, uh, the idea that that diet is going to give you super superpowers is, honestly, it's fucking bizarre. It's it, it's just not verified by anything. Like, it's, it's really weird. Farming is a weird target to go after. Like, the human population is just out of control. We need more farms. We need more produce in general, not less. And to everyone who thinks, like, oh, humans were never meant to farm produce. We're the only animals to ever do that. Ho-ho! Do I have bad news for you guys? Because uh, other animals practice agriculture as well. Certain types of fish and crabs and weevils all practice basic animal kingdom forms of farming their food. And uh, beyond that, ants, who ironically are probably like the closest animal civilization to human beings out there, they just flat out grow fungus crops in special little farms, just like humans do. Leafcutter ants, true to their name, they send workers out and they bite apart pieces of leaves, they take the leaves back to their colonies, and then they leave the chewed up leaves in like these special farm chambers, and fungi and mushrooms and stuff grow on the leaves. The ants go in, they eat all the fungus, they harvest it, which they use as food, they grow food, and then they clear it out, and then the process starts over. They repeat that, get new leaves, and that just goes on forever for the duration of the colony's lifespan. That's literally farming. That is exactly what humans do, just on a smaller ant level. Oh, and while we're on the subject, ants are basically ranchers, too. Like, ants are actually really freaking cool. What they do is they seek out aphids and mealybugs and other small little dumb bugs that release honeydew, which is... Uh, well, it's not the melon. <laughs> kind of like a yeah, it's kind of like a sweet sugary goo that some insects excrete. I'll leave it at that. Gross. Anyway, uh, certain ants will seek out these bugs and harvest their weird like sugary honeydew pea, and they corral them up into little areas where the ants can defend them from predators and keep them safe. They're just like little itty bitty cattle ranchers, and they drink all that like honeydew stuff, and they bring it back to their nests, and they pass it around and give them to animals. So, I don't know. I want to be more excited about that, but can't really because aphids and mealbugs are uh, they're, they're assholes. They they kill house plants, so it's cool, but also fuck you ants. Don't defend aphids. Aphids suck. <laughs> and don't even get me started on mealybugs. I hate those fuckers. Mm. Those watching on YouTube will see that our plants are finally free of their nets. I think we finally have our mealybug situation under control. But I'm gonna stop mentioning them now in case it's like a Beetlejuice situation. Good idea. Um, for context, like rewind a few episodes ago, we mentioned we purchased a box of ladybugs to just let loose into the apartment. Uh, we put them onto the plants here, put netting over it so they couldn't escape. 
And those little guys, they worked their asses off. They they got rid of the melee bugs, knock on wood. And there's a few left of them too. So we after the nets were taken off, we put them I have a vivarium with like live plants and uh they're living in there now. So good for them. Anyway, let's reel it back. As much as I love a nice, random, uncalled-for rant at the beginning of an episode, we do need to get back to the origins of chili. As mentioned, chili peppers were endemic to South America since ancient times and became ingrained in their culture. They were used as food, used as medicine, and their spicy nature even let them find usage as an early pest deterrent. That's pretty cool. Makes sense. I guess if you lit a bunch of them in a bonfire there's not a lot of animals that are going to want to stick around in your little like hut for much longer (laughs) well i mean unless you had one of those like chili head dudes that you hear about that like they set out to eat like the spiciest foods that they can find for like i don't know the excitement of it i guess like i actually sort of used to be like that when i was younger i loved to, to like challenge myself to eating really spicy food you know, up until I got into my, like, mid to late 20s and my body just wouldn't cooperate anymore. Like, looking back, uh, it's kind of dumb. I don't know. I feel like there's better ways to get your thrill-seeking fix than, like, uh, you know, the adrenaline rush of feeling like your ass turned into an active volcano for 20 minutes straight. While we're on the topic of spices and seasonings, another one of the major ingredients in chili and lots of Tex-Mex cuisine is cumin. Yeah, cumin, which is originally native to India, uh, it's made from the ground seeds of its eponymous plant, the cumin plant, which is related to carrots and celery. So the way that we like to describe cumin is that basically it smells like armpits and it makes everything taste like a taco. Really selling it. <laughs> Seriously, though, the uh, the pungent nature of it, though, is why it's important to chili con carne, because like, it imparts this like, warm, earthy flavor, which is part of what makes chili taste so hearty. Uh, you know, as much as everyone likes to dress their chili up with like 37 different ingredients and go on about what the real secret to good chili is, at its heart, the two most important tastes of chili are the cumin and, well, the chili itself. So, chili powder. Chili powder, as its name suggests, is dried crushed chili peppers turned into powder. It was originally invented in 1894 by a German immigrant, of all things, (laughs) William Gebhardt specifically was a german-american restaurateur who owned a cafe in texas who was looking for a way to preserve some of the fresh produce and foods he used in his food chili peppers specifically weren't available in the states year-round and were a late summer crop in texas which is ironic considering how vital they are to most tex-mex cuisine yeah this guy gebhardt he got around this problem when he had the idea to dry chili peppers out and dehydrate them and then grind them up into a spice mix which retains that same chili pepper flavor and it became a smash hit among more northern states in America, where chili peppers were like this strange exotic food they'd never heard of. Interestingly, this guy, Gebhardt, his brand was so successful and beloved that like it's actually still around today, like almost 150 years later. Like you could go buy like Gebhardt's spice or Gebhardt chili powder right now on Amazon or if you find it in stores. So like good for that dude. Yeah. That's cool. Going back in time to look at more origins for chili. Aztec culture actually had a pretty wide variety of cool foods that honestly sound pretty good compared to a lot of other earlier civilizations. In addition to chili peppers, they had a lot of squash and beans and other veggies. As we mentioned in our peanut butter cups episode, they grew peanuts too, and they had tomatoes. Actually, on that note, fun fact, tomatoes, yes, were used in food in Aztec cuisine. However, they were also frequently given away as a gift as well. Usually they were given uh, to newlyweds. Newlyweds would get like bundles of tomatoes as kind of like an old-timey wedding present. 
Man, no one gave us tomatoes when we got married. Well, we did get a banana, though. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's not a joke, folks. Uh, for our wedding registry, we got a banana. So uh, for our registry, we're using Target's website, and we saw that you could add any, like, SKU listing from Target's database and inventory, whether it's in their registry for, like, weddings or not. So I jokingly just added a single banana to our wedding registry. I marked it as one of our most wanted gifts. And lo and behold, on the day of our wedding shower, we totally got a fucking banana. (laughs) I thought we'd either get like 20 bananas or no bananas. But we just got one single banana. Actually, um, yeah, real talk though. It's for the best we didn't get a tomato as a wedding gift. Banana was better because... Apparently, the Aztecs traditionally gave tomatoes to newlyweds because they saw them as like a sign of fertility. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't need fertility. For, forget that. Uh, but yeah, obviously, the Aztecs, they ate a lot of grains and cereals and like uh, like corn and amaranth and chia. When I say cereal, I mean grain crop cereals, not like modern breakfast cereal. <laughs> Although, I do really love the mental imagery of this like grand ritual feast where they're cooking up all these like tasty fresh vegetables and stews and like meat they just hunted. They're milling their corn and making fresh baked tortillas. And then on the end of the table, there's just like a box of Lucky Charms. <laughs> Uh, in addition to farming produce, the Aztecs also had a wide variety of meat as well. They hunted turkeys and other game fowls, a lot of fish. Uh, they hunted random other stuff like iguanas and gophers and crayfish and, uh, salamanders? Sure. Why not? Really can't picture what you're getting out of eating a fucking salamander. (laughs) So, honey, how's your grilled axolotl salamander? Dry, flavorless, and I ate it in one bite. Whoa, would you rather have another small meatless amphibian that spends most of its life buried in the mud? Eh, maybe later. They were also big into seasoning their foods and used salt. They used cocoa to flavor dishes as well. Honey was another tasty food stuff they used in cuisine. Oh, and uh, they also ate people too. Like, yeah, people, people. Uh, you know, they they were cannibals. <laughs> that's not a joke. They uh, That's not a stereotype, like, the whole human sacrifice thing, well, uh, let's just say that wasn't just, like, some weird spooky tale. They legit would just, like, kill people and, and eat them and cook them since they believed human flesh was, like, the food of the gods. So eating a human sacrifice, it was supposed to purify you since only gods could normally eat people. Hot take, but, you know, honestly, I think I'd get behind eating human flesh in, like, the right scenario like seriously i know that's one of the biggest taboos out there don't eat people but like i don't know i try it just to say i did though like yeah i don't know it would need to have like some like real hardcore rules and prerequisites to make sure that it's like you know doing it right like they need to be like really healthy and not gonna eat like a meth head or so like that's just like that's just gross that's unsanitary uh, like it needs to be like a random person, not someone who was like specifically raised like a chicken for slaughter, like that, that'd be super fucked up. And, uh, you know, I shouldn't say like a random person, like I don't want to just eat like a, I don't want to just like shoot someone on the street and like eat them. Uh, no, rather like, and it need to be like punishment for something like, you know, someone who like just totally deserves the death penalty, like an, an unrepentant murderer or a rapist, something that just can't be rehabilitated. Like, I don't know. Uh, Good situation would be, like, maybe, like, Hitler. Like, a good situation, like, they arrest him, they try him, he's guilty, and he's like, fuck you, I regret nothing, because I'm Hitler. And so they were all just like, all right, preheat the oven, boys, we got some trimming to do. 
But like, what if eating a person, you're at risk for inheriting their spirit or something? Ooh, that's true. I don't want like an evil Hitler spirit. Uh, if that's the case, I probably wouldn't eat Hitler or like Stalin because that's kind of risky. Um, or, you know, it needs to be someone like less evil and just like dumb, like, oh, you know what? I got it. You know what? Here we go. Best case scenario, best cannibal scenario, <laughs> Ingrid Newkirk, the longtime president of PETA. She's a remorseless asshole who runs an organization that lies to people and guilts them into giving them money and harnesses the power of shame to bully any organization that isn't directly linked to them. Oh, and best of all, so uh, she's absolute fucking perfect irony of her being a vegan. That's just like the mwah, that's like the chef's kiss ter cherry on top. And, and uh, you know, if any of you think I'm being a little cruel here, joking around, but, like eating the, the, the CEO of PETA, then um, maybe you like to donate money to PETA and like you, you think they do good. You know what? Tough shit. Do some more fucking research on PETA. Go to PETAKillsAnimals.com. Research PETA controversy, whatever. Have your eyes open. PETA is a borderline domestic terror organization. It's one of the most emotionally manipulative organizations in history. They swindle rich idiots and gullible morons into thinking their money's going towards you know animals in need who need help. But uh, meanwhile, the majority of their money and their donations goes towards propaganda, which is mostly just trolling other organizations and employing workers that abduct and kill family pets. That's not a joke. They just, they, they killed like 97%, like upwards of 90%, 90 to whatever of the animals they take in. They're not an animal shelter. They don't do any good for animals. Fuck PETA. I would give away my entire life savings just to eat an Ingrid Newquirk burger. Whew. That said, this is all just theory. No one come after us, please. We're not going to kill anyone. No eating anyone. And don't take Charlie and kill him. Yeah, if PETA came and abducted Charlie and... Um, then I would let you have the burger. Yeah, I then, yeah, I can't guarantee I wouldn't go fucking do something that makes me land in jail if they kill Charlie, so... <sighs> Moving away from human sacrifice and cannibalism. Over the years, the Aztecs formulated a lot of tasty dishes thanks to the wide variety of tasty foods that had access... That, uh, the tasty foods that they had access to. Notably, there's records from the 1500s that they had begun cooking up stews made using chili peppers, meats, and veggies, which are basically an early predecessor to what would become chili con carne today. Yeah, there's actually documentation of uh, another dish, uh, dish eaten that would later become like uh, in Arizona in the 1730s. It seems like another chili prototype. This one was described by a Swiss Jesuit, Philip Segerser. The stew was made of roasted pureed chili peppers combined with lard and chunks of meat. Obviously, that one was a little bit after the Aztec Empire, but Southwest is just, like, all this, like, good shit stirring up, like, uh, literally. <laughs> Not shit literally, but soups getting stirred up. <laughs> then a century later in the 1800s, in Mexican cuisine, there was a recorded recipe for these weird dried soup blocks made from dried beef, suet, chili peppers, salt, and other spices. These were almost like a primitive form of bouillon cubes, since they could then be boiled in water to create a spicy beef stew. Recipes like this were actively paving the way for modern chili to be invented. Though, actually, as we're about to cover, the actual creation of chili con carne is a little bit debated, with some people claiming it was created in Mexico, but then there's recorded documentation of Mexican culture and books rejecting the claim, like going out of their way to say, nope, nope, not a, it's not a Mexican food. They're defined as an American food, but... Uh, other historians believe it was invented in Texas, and that checks out considering the state's just fascinated with it to the point that it's now adopted as Texas's state food in present day. 
So with all that in mind, let's get nitty and let's get gritty, because now it's time to take a look at the history and the invention of today's topic. So, the invention of chili con carne is a little bit contested considering the complicated relation that uh, Texas and Mexico had in the 1800s. The southwest U.S. and northern Mexico have always had a tendency to just kind of like mush into each other and meld into each other since, you know, prior to the Texas annexation in 1845, the idea of a U.S. border didn't exist. It was just like a big hot desert region with a bunch of horses and cowboys just shooting their guns going, yeah. But uh, really, Texas was originally part of Spanish territory after the Spanish conquistadors basically had their way with the entirety of Central and South America. And that's, uh, as we've covered in other episodes, that's not really an exaggeration comparing it to rape because they literally did some raping back then. So maybe they deserve to be eaten by some of those Aztecs back then. Anyway, following the Louisiana Purchase of 1805, America basically doubled in size with a bunch of territory bought from France and one of the biggest bargain sales in history. (laughs) Like, they got a shit ton of land for only $15 million. Like, it worked out to about $18 per square mile. A square mile is over 600 acres of land. Imagine getting all that land for like 20 bucks. That's pretty, pretty good. Unfortunately, a decent-sized chunk of the Texas territory was included in this purchase, which kind of confused things since Spain owned the rest of it. And long story short, what followed was basically one of the bloodiest versions of two angry dads having an argument about how far their property extends out into the grass. (laughs) Yeah, Texas, uh, during all this, Texas eventually fought for independence, but then it was later annexed by... Annexed? I don't always say annexed. Later (laughs) annexed by the United States, which only seems... I think I was thinking of Amex. (laughs) Fucking American Express. Anyway, Texas got its independence, and then it was later annexed by the United States. And that only seems right just because, like, I don't know, the modern day of America is just... Not having Texas as a part of it, it just seems so foreign and weird. Like, admittedly, though, I gotta say, I'm almost kind of curious to think about what it would have been like if there was just, like, this small little country tucked away in between the U.S. and Mexico. Like, Texas is its own country. Like... Would ICE just be, like, making housing raids and, like, mass deportations of Texans to take them back to the American border? Or would it be, like, would it be, like, vice versa? Would, like, Texas be kicking Americans out? Like, you fucking Americans think you can just waltz right on in here looking for cheap chili and 15-pound steaks? Well, this here is Texas, and everything's bigger in Texas, which means my foot is going to be gigantic when I kick your ass back into the United States of America with it. Man, if that were the case, King of the Hill would have been a weird exotic sitcom about a foreign country. That's so weird. It would have been like a British sitcom, <laughs> but like the Texas sitcom. Um, we were also going to say that like George W. Bush would have never been president, which depending on how much you like or dislike the guy, well, your mileage may vary there. But weirdly enough, um, George W. was born in Connecticut. That is weird. So weird. Like, actually, the only presidents of the United States to be born in Texas were Eisenhower and LBJ. Uh, Also, as long as we're just, like, rattling off random fun facts, here's fun fact. While perusing the Wikipedia page for W., I uh, discovered he's the only United States president to have an MBA degree, a master's in business. So, uh, hey, good for him. At first, I was going to say, like, well, that makes sense, because people with a master's in business don't generally go into politics. But then again, Donald Trump exists right now, and he was just a businessman, among other things. 
Though, I guess it's saying something that despite his whole shtick being business, he doesn't actually have an MBA. Huh. Make of that what you will. Anyway, reeling it back in, Texas was finally annexed and officially became part of the U.S. in 1845, but by this point in time, Texas and Mexico were so culturally intertwined that this is basically where the idea of Texas culture comes from. The people of Mexico and American travelers and explorers who settled in the area shared a lot of different foods, music, art, style, and whatnot. As such, it makes sense that such a cultural zeitgeist like chili con carne was the byproduct of that region as a whole. Yeah, speaking of chili, we already mentioned that there were, like, early predecessors of chili being cooked in Mexico during, like, the 1800s and even further back, but uh, they weren't really quite what we would consider to be modern chili con carne today. There's, like, a dozen or so theories as to how it came to be. However, we're just going to talk about one explanation for its invention. Well... Okay, let's just say we're going to talk about the most plausible explanation, because another origin story we kept seeing pop up in the research sounds like something from an anime asset trip, <laughs> since it involves a mystical Spanish nun astral projecting herself across the Atlantic Ocean to teach Native Americans in the Southwest how to cook chili made from antelopes during an altered mental state trance. Huh. <laughs> Definitely a story. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Speaking of that, the most plausible explanation for the origins of chili is that it was the crossroads of traditional southwestern cuisine with an infusion of cooking styles brought over from, wait for it, the Canary Islands. Plot twist! I bet you didn't see that one coming. Oh, and before anyone asks, yeah, uh, Canaries, the bird, they're from the Canary Islands. Never knew Good. that, actually. <laughs> the Canary Islands are actually an archipelago. Go. I knew that word in my head. You Trying did to it. say it out loud. You made <laughs> Not as smooth. Located off the eastern coast of Africa, Morocco specifically, which are actually more occupied and associated with Spain and Europe. During the 1700s, migrants from the Canary Islands moved to San Antonio, Texas, and brought with them the idea for spiced stews featuring garlic and onions and a very liberal use of everyone's favorite Tex-Mex seasoning, cumin. Imagine if the Canary Islands immigrants were just a bunch of little canaries, little birds. <laughs> be adorable. They show up with little suitcases and they're like, hey guys, we're here to show you how to cook really yummy soup. And then they just sing a cool tune. That would be adorable. I wish. <laughs> um... Yeah, but the le the less entertaining, more historically accurate version is uh, due to some, like, political advocacy by Spain, uh, they were trying to, like, stymie France out of Texas territory, so they basically just, like, did a bunch of propaganda and petitioned a bunch of families from the Canary Islands to, like, move to Texas to, like, help bolster its, like, Spanish heritage, because, like, um... They basically were just like, hey, do you want to make something for yourself? Move over to America, to this wacky, crazy place called Texas, and you'll be like royalty there. And, uh, I mean, it, it probably, you know, it worked pretty good because, uh, you know, it got France out of Texas, but, uh, can't say it really worked out in the long run for Spain, considering Texas is part of the United States now, but, uh, oh well, they tried. <laughs> And hell, I mean, it was the best because uh, these Canary uh, Canarian immigrants brought these stews with them. And over the next century or so, they blended together with the like chili stews that Mexicans and Texans had already been making. So before long, you had like working class women learning to make these like stews and like small time eateries were cooking them up with like chilies and cumin and tomatoes and onions and garlic. And of course, carne, meat. So, chili con carne was born. 
Unfortunately, if you were hoping for some sort of clear-cut, fine-pointed invention or inventor, well, we got some bad news for you. Mm. You know how there was like 15 people who claimed to invent the hamburger because it was so popular? Mm-hmm. Well, for chili, there's the opposite problem, but for the same reason. It was so common at the time that basically nobody claims to have invented it. Much like we covered with burritos, it seems like the peak evolution of tasty, tasty traditional foods. Yeah, that all aside, we can't pinpoint an inventor. No one really knows, like no one claims to have invented it, but we can at least pinpoint the earliest mentions of the word or the the phrase chili con carne. It first popped up in San Antonio, Texas in the 1840s. It became very popular very quickly thanks to chili finding a place as an expensive street an inexpensive street food for the common man. Mexican Tejana women began cooking it and selling it when I can only imagine were like these little 19th century Texas equivalent of like laid back hole in the wall burrito grills and like food trucks. But uh, back then they were probably wagons. But yeah. Uh, yeah, these chili queens, as they were known, they sold it out of little carts on the streets and even in front of the Alamo. Hilariously enough, Spanish Catholic priests working missions in Texas at the time didn't particularly care for the dish. And by didn't care for it, I mean they preached sermons against it, claiming that partaking in fiery indulgent dishes like chili con carne would net you a one-way ticket straight to hell. Chili is hot. It's spicy. That means you go to the hot place, hell. (laughs) What the hell was up with these, like, early Christian preachers just, like, hating on food that tasted good? Like, I don't get it. I am a devout Christian, and I'm proud to be part of a super chill, like, LGBT-affirming church. But if, like, I walked in one day and my pastor was like, Oh, uh, so new rule, you can't eat pizza anymore or you'll go to hell. I would just fuck on right out of there and convert to Shintoism or something. No regrets. Send me to hell. (laughs) Apparently, the idea comes from the incredibly wrong, incredibly outdated belief that foods with strong flavors would incite impure thoughts. You know, like how anytime you have a bowl of curry, you just have sex immediately after. Ah, Of course. It just happens. Like, mmm, damn, that's a nice bowl of chicken korma. I love this. What? What happened? Where am I? Why am I in bed all of a sudden? Where are my clothes? (laughs) Oh, yeah. This kind of reminds me of uh, good old father Sylvester Graham, who we covered in the s'mores episode. Uh, If you need a quick reminder, he was another major advocate of perpetual misery and resisting the temptation of anything that featured a flavor. Like, repent all ye, for the Lord our God is angry. We have sinned, for we have slept with the windows closed. Leave your windows open and be cold, for that is the will of God Almighty. We humans are despicable monsters, defiling the good earth with our contemptible pleasures like salt and pepper. Unforgivable! The devil himself is greater than thee. Instead, you should live a terrible life, full of bland meals and a sore ass, for cushioned chairs are strictly forbidden by... Well, not the Bible, and they're not forbidden by God or Jesus Christ himself, but, uh... Still, resist the temptation of evils like coriander, and surely the rest of your eternity shall remain pure and boring. And, uh, by the way, none of that was me taking, like, comedic liberty. That, uh, that's all real. Like, go listen to the s'mores episode. Sylvester Graham literally preached that sleeping on soft, comfortable mattresses and closing your windows to keep cold drafts out was sinful. (laughs) And that your diet should consist solely of graham flour, eggs, and a small collection of certain fresh fruits and vegetables. That guy was an asshole. (laughs) 
Speaking of assholes, uh, apparently those Catholic priests preaching didn't exactly work, so, uh, cause, like, Chile exploded in popularity over the next few decades, and it quickly spread to the United States outside of Texas. By 1881, only three or four decades into its life, Chile had already reached the tip-top peak of popularity that all delicious home-cooked foods wished to achieve. Someone tried canning it. <laughs> yeah, um... William Tobin, a former Texas Ranger who turned into a businessman after his service was up, he came up with the original idea to create canned chili, which could be preserved and heated up at a later date. The idea was actually really successful. He quickly reached a contract with the U.S. government to create canned chili, which could be used for feeding troops in the Army and Navy, and opened his own canning facility for it. Side note, but like, can this dude get any more (laughs) fucking American? Like, let's see here. Texas Ranger, check. Chile aficionado, check. Contractor for the United States military, check. Oh, and also at one point he served as a city marshal for the Alamo. Holy fucking shit, this guy was cool. Like, he's basically just like... Now pardon me, Uncle Sam, but I want to petition you for a moment if I could, since I think I have an idea that would benefit the boys on the front line. You see, one time after a long day of cattle rustling and finishing up my daily rounds as a Texas Ranger, I stopped at a local chili joint, set my guitar down, and ordered a bowl. I thanked the proprietor kindly and tipped him generously and went on my way. But then on the way home, I hitched my horse to take a breather, and I stopped for a moment. In the long, amber southwest sunset, I wiped my brow, and I looked up at the old red, white, and blue as the flag flew above my old house at the Alamo. I thought to myself, how can I give back to my country? What can I do? Then it hit me. Chile. Our troops need Chile. It's their God-given right. And then a bald eagle carrying an olive branch and a rifle landed beside me and recited the Declaration of Independence and gave me a high five and I knew it was a sign. Very tragically, though, the poor guy died a few years into this contract, and in 1884, the business closed. What a bummer. This guy was ahead of his time, especially since canned chili wasn't seen or heard from again until almost half a century later, Mm -hmm. when Lyman Davis of Corsicana, Texas, began canning chili and selling it from the back of a wagon. Yeah, this guy, he called his product Wolf Brand Chili in honor of his pet wolf, who's named Kaiser Bill. (laughs) Like, once again... (laughs) Holy shit, like, all these stories, they sound like fan fiction written to create, like, the perfect American folk hero. Like, these guys are real, though. Like, ah, afternoon, ma'am. Care to try some wolf chili? I named it after my buddy here, Kaiser Bill. He's a fucking wolf, and this is America, so if you don't like it, you can get out. (laughs) Needless to say, the introduction of canned chili only helped its popularity in the rest of the United States. Uh, chili parlors began opening up outside of Texas in the early 20th century, and a few decades later, in 1952, the very first chili cook-off took place in Dallas, which further cemented chili as an American staple. And the rest, well, they say, is history. Except for one small, trivial little asterisk that we do need to address. Beans. Beans, for whatever reason, are a huge point of contention with chili aficionados. Some people claim that beans are necessary for chili, and some purists say the opposite, that chili is supposed to be meat and meat only. The first mentions of beans we could find being cooked in chili comes from around the early 1900s, which coincidentally is around when chili con carne began taking off in the rest of America. Interestingly, beans, as we mentioned earlier, were a staple food in Aztec cuisine. 
So they've been around for centuries and were most likely used in some of the early stews that served as predecessors to modern chili. Following suit, Mexican food and Tex-Mex as a whole tends to use beans in many dishes as well. So it's not out of the question to suppose that beans were found in early chili con carne. That said, the International Chili Society, which we'll talk about later on in the modern day section, they strictly define chili as any kind of meat or combination of meats cooked with red chili peppers, various spices, and other ingredients, with the exception of beans and pasta, which are strictly forbidden. Ouch. That's some extreme shade thrown at beans. Seems kind of unnecessary. Yeah, like, especially when you consider that this fucking definition, it states verbatim various spices and other ingredients. So in other words, it leaves the door wide open for literally anything but beans, which it explicitly forbids. <laughs> Yogurt? Sure thing. Yeah, great jelly? Cool. Ice cream? That works. Wasabi? Eh, a little ethnic, but sure, why not? Toenails? A-okay. The blood of a fresh and slain newborn baby boy. Cool! But black beans? Ugh, no! Absolutely fucking not! No way in hell! Never beans! <laughs> Honestly, it seems kind of arbitrary. No one really gives a good explanation for it. Hell, the International Chili Society was founded in 1967, which is over a century after chili was invented, so... I don't know, guys. Beans have been around way longer than you have. <laughs> it's tricky because, like, I don't know. It seems like Texans are the most ardent opponents of beans in Chile. So, like, you know, who are we to question them? Like, I know if a bunch of people outside of New York were just, like, insisting that penne a la vodka should have peas added to it, I would fucking go full on Guido mode and tell them to fuck right off. <laughs> I, I don't know. In the end, it doesn't seem like there's an answer to this debate. It just feels like one of those stupid, like, traditional feuds that only exist because people like to wrap themselves up in a really harmless argument that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Just for funsies. Well, unless there's been actual fistfights or stabbings or something over the bean <laughs> debate. In which case, holy shit, guys, find something better to fight about. Yeah. <laughs> Really, though, like, it's silly. We shouldn't be fighting about chili. Like, chili is basically the food equivalent of the melting pot metaphor that you hear America compared to all the time. It brings all these different cultures together. Like, the original stews that inspired chili have their origins in Aztec and Canary Island cuisine. The modern incarnation of it is an American invention from Texas, and you had Mexican Tejana women who helped modern iteration of chili grow in popularity, and a German-American dude invented chili powder, which is one of the key ingredients necessary for helping it spread elsewhere. It was a real team effort, an international team effort, and that is just beautiful. Anyway... The story doesn't quite stop there, because now it's time to get modern and see what people have been doing chili in recent history, and also we're going to be bringing on a special guest who is an official, well, unofficial Texas... Official to us. He's official to us because he's a Texan, he's a born and bred Texan, born and bred <laughs> Texan, which makes him an official connoisseur of chili, even though I don't know if he actually, like, is a connoisseur of chili. But we're going to have a special guest, so keep it here. Hey peeps, before we make it to the modern day section with our special guest, we also have one brief message from one of our podcast partners, so give her a listen and check it out. Hi, my name is Kaylin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Tea Time Thoughts. Do you ever wish you could learn more about history, books, music, art, and culture, but you just don't know where to start? I totally feel your pain. Learning about all these things can be so overwhelming. Well, I want to change all of that for you. 
In my podcast, Tea Time Thoughts, I'll show you just how fun it all can be. In the time it takes to have a cup of tea, I'm going to teach you everything from the French Revolution to the Black Plague, Mozart to Broadway musicals, Da Vinci to Robert Frost, Ancient Egypt to Queen Elizabeth II, and more. You can stream Tea Time Thoughts wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So what are you waiting for? Put the kettle on and listen to Tea Time Thoughts today. All right, today we're changing things up. We called in a specialist to help us with today's discussion of modern day chili con carne. Patrick here is a longtime friend of mine. He's also a friend of the show. He's a friend of Meg. He's everybody's friend. Before we start ch uh, talking about chili, let's take some time to get to know him. So take it away, Patrick. Thanks, y'all. I appreciate y'all having me on. Yes, I am Patrick, and I am also from Texas. <laughs> yes. The best place to be. You're our very first guest that we've had on deep dish so that's uh it's quite the honor i hope you yeah, i hope you feel very honored right now our dog doesn't count i do i am completely honored y'all but this is like 13 episodes in something like that hell yeah sending it off yeah we we lost track at this point i don't know something in the teens it's funny because uh there's this comedian that launched a podcast that we really like his other podcast and he launched a podcast around the same time as deep dish and for a little bit, we were ahead of him. We were like two episodes ahead. And then we started to slow our pace down, and now we're behind. So uh, we lost that race in terms of episode count and also, you know, viewership and popularity and financial. <laughs> so we, It helps when you have an already established podcast. That too. That brings yeah. guests over. As opposed to us, we're nobody. But uh, yeah, so this is our, like we said, this is our very first guest podcast uh, edition. So. Uh, you know, even though you're our first guest, we still need to get a few things out of the way. So first, we need to ask the important questions. Before we start talking food, we're going to run through a few of these rapid fire one by one so our listeners can get to know our new guest. Are you ready, Patrick? I am. Okay, let's do this. Question number one, what's your favorite type of pizza? Uh, Canadian bacon and mushroom, as long as it's not thin crust. Mmm. All right. Number two, coffee or tea? Uh, since I'm from Texas, it's got to be tea for sure. Interesting. Is that a thing? Your your mom is from is Texas. Your mom drinks tea. Yeah. The, okay, is it yeah. Just sweet tea? Yeah. Sweet tea. Oh, or, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, her mom's from Texas, so mm -hmm. she's just like tea fanatic. I never thought about that. You know, see, now I'm from New York, so I drink a shit ton of coffee. Oh, now, Brianna would fit in perfectly. She drinks all the coffee. I'll take the tea. <laughs> that said, you know, uh, I do like tea a lot. She, we, we have this really, we have a bunch of tea. Like, um, we already fucked Yeah, we're supposed to be rapid <laughs> fire. We're supposed to be rapid We already fucked Let's this go. up. So we have oh, sorry, banana sorry. tea. But uh, that's besides the point. Uh, number three, what's your favorite color? Uh, blue. blue. Good choice. Number four, what's the last thing that you ate? Uh, it was... Um, Pizza, but with some weird crust or something like that. Pizza is a good choice. Good choice. Always pizza. Okay, what's your favorite restaurant to go out to? Um, oh, okay. Dynasty, if it's like Chinese food, like I'm just going out. But mm. like social-wise, BJ's Restaurant and Brew House. Or this place that we call The Castle. It used to be like a furniture store. <laughs> and they converted it. And now it's uh, a Sol del Jalisco. Ah, fancy, yeah. fancy. Next up, we're playing Mario Kart. Who are you racing as? Mario. Obviously. <laughs> he plays Mario. He plays Mario in every game that Mario is a character. <laughs> Pretty much. 
Question number seven. What's your go-to grocery store? H-E-B. That's our local chain. Makes sense. Number eight. What's your favorite food of all time? Like Mexican food would be a close second, but probably Chinese. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Number nine. What's your spirit animal? Uh, For the sake of being rapid, I would say dog. I was going to say cow originally, but I don't want to have to explain that one. (laughs) (laughs) Dog's an easy answer, and dog is short. And last but not least, today's random question of the day, which is brought to you by Google. What's your favorite ice cream topping? Uh, Caramel. Hmm. Why not caramel? Caramel is good. Who can say no to caramel? So, yeah, that was our not-so-rapid rapid-fire question. <laughs> we need to work on the rapid yeah, part. We'll work on the rapid yeah. part. It's hard. But, uh, all right, yeah, I mean, so you said you were born and raised in Texas. That's correct, right? Yes, deep in the heart of it, actually. I'm, I'm in Central Texas, and I'm in the center of Central Texas. <laughs> so, like, it takes several weeks to, like, leave Texas driving <laughs> from where I am in, like, basically any fucking direction. Jesus. So, yep, I'm right in the middle of it. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that earlier in the episode. Just, like, Texas is so friggin' big. I feel like a lot of people, like, lose sight of how just enormous yeah. it is. Like, it could just be its own country, really. Pretty much. Ugh, but, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, speaking of which, your hometown is the town that King of the Hill was based on, right? Okay, for the longest time until literally like two months ago, I thought it was Temple because of all the references to the towns, you know, around us that are said in the show. But uh, in an episode, they mentioned the Temple Tigers. So it can't be where I live anymore. As a matter of fact, uh, the football team's Arlen Faces are the Belton Wildcats and the Temple Tigers. In real life, it's reverse. Ah. Uh, it's the Belton Tigers and Temple Wildcats. And I happen to be a Tiger. I actually graduated from Belton. So I'm a Tiger at heart. <laughs> I mean, so close enough. You, The region is the same, effectively. Yeah, yeah. So Colleen, Waco, Belton, uh, those all exist. New Hoffensheim. Where they get the gnome, uh, that's based on um, <laughs> Fredericksburg, west of Austin. It's a little German town. Ah, see, that's interesting because, like, earlier in the episode, too, we covered how there was a German dude who invented chili powder. And it's funny to think, like, eh, a lot of Germans in Texas, but yeah, I guess there's Lots German. of them. Really? That's cool. I never oh, knew yeah. that. Good to know. Big, big culture down here with it. Everyone thinks New York City is the melting pot, but, you know, down there in Texas, you guys got plenty of cultures, too. So that's pretty cool. Respect Hell that. yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite thing about living in Texas? Is there anything specific you like about the culture or the area or just in general? Uh, people tend to be more open to like social engagement. Like I've been to other states uh, where it's, you know, you're standing in line or something, you say hi to somebody and they look at you like you're crazy. I don't know if y'all experienced that in New York, but it's just really easy. You could be standing in line somewhere or out on a walk or something and just say howdy or you know hey how you doing and people respond or sometimes they'll have conversations with you so yeah everybody's just a little more open and uh you know more apt to talk to you if you just walk up to a stranger to start talking to them yeah i mean that's i feel like it's very hit or miss here in new york like 
It's kind of a read the room situation. Yeah, like people will just start conversations with you and say hello, like we're just walking on the street and stuff, but like um, not always. Yeah, you know what I think it is, honestly? I feel like younger people... And I don't want I don't want to just like <laughs> fade to dust and be like, well, see, kids. The thing about kids, you got... but like honestly, like I noticed with like older people, like people that are older than us tend to be the ones that like if you're just walking, be like, oh, hey, nice day today, right? And it's like, yeah, it is nice. And like part of me, like the like the socially awkward fucking like part of me is like, no, leave me alone. I don't want... But then part of me also is like, that's so nice and it's so wholesome. That I don't want that to go away, but, like, people that are, like, I don't know, in their 20s and, like, teens, like, they don't, they just, like, are fucking walking, like, fucking miserable. I was gonna say. Oh, yeah, they're, they're in their phone like this, you yeah. know, walking by, you say hi to them. I feel like in New York, people don't necessarily just randomly, like, say hi to them, but we'll, like, come together to, like, hate someone or, like, be, they complain <laughs> about something. Like, if we're on a line, people won't just say hi, but if it's, like, yeah. really slow, we'll be like, can you believe this? Like, this yeah, line, like, yeah, shit. like... <laughs> like we'll, we'll all come together to like be negative about something yeah. but then that makes it a positive that's awesome <laughs> so speaking of text you need to tell me how often do you see dudes walk around with cowboy hats on well it's weird like maybe a couple miles from my house there's a couple high-rise buildings and you know it's just like city-ish down there but if you drive like five to ten minutes any direction out of the town I live in, yeah, you'll you'll see some guys like you know cowboy hats and stuff like that. Really? Uh, Brianna that I mentioned earlier, my girlfriend, we went out on a drive recently. We, you know, we like to hit the back roads or whatever. Right. And we saw three guys with cowboy hats and like like Wranglers on and shit <laughs> on horseback. That's wonderful. And they were like out in the horizon, like on the distance of the, like the rolling plains that looked like a fucking movie. It's like getting close to dark. It's like, well, and that's like five minutes from my house. And it's, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing, but you could find it if you look for it. That's pretty badass. I like that. Speaking of which, like uh, on, on that same thread, I guess, like what, uh, like what kind of like fun, like wacky stereotypes out there, like about Texas are actually true. Like, uh, like, for example, like, here in New York, like, you know, people just drop the word fuck casually, like, is the same way they just say the word hello. <laughs> like, you can't go more than five minutes any direction without seeing a pizza place. See guys with, like, huge watches that talk like this. They're usually bald and fat. And they got big chains and thumb rings. Like, so, so like, what kind of, like, the, is the Texas equivalent of that, like, that you kind of see? Well, uh, a lot of people with lifted trucks. Oops. That is more common than I'm willing to admit. Um... Okay, like King of the Hill, everybody kind of like hangs out on their lawnmowers, like right. drinking a beer. That's surprisingly common. Really? Uh, I, I, I used to live in a town about 10 miles north of here when I was younger. And, uh, you know, it was so small and everybody knew each other that there was this guy right at the end of my block. He would always take his lawnmower down to the gas station by the highway to like pick up a six pack of beer and you just see him like hanging off with it you know just like holding it driving back up the hill to his house it's just just stupid that's 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 fun i because like honestly i like harmless stereotypes like stuff like that stuff that gives like where you were from like an identity i love that shit on the other hand though what kind of stuff do people totally get wrong about texas like, what kinds of tropes and stereotypes do you think are not justified? Uh, that all of Texas is just, like, 
cactus and a bunch of deserts and shit. <laughs> like, Texas is like the world map of a fucking video game. Like, we have everything. <laughs> we have desert, mountains, grassy plains, forests, fucking snow when it's winter, and beaches like the coast. And I live in the center of it, or like, you know, the grassy plains, like rolling country part of it is. So it's like I'm like in World 1 of Super Mario Brothers 3, <laughs> where there's grass and cacti at That's the same time. Awesome. So it's pretty fucking cool. I like, I like, I, I've been like saying for like, I've been saying for years, basically, that, so like, what the thing they do with like Pokemon games now is like, each new like time they make new Pokemon games, each like place, the region it takes place is based off a real world location now, like they'd be... The fir- the few like first of them were like Japanese places, but then they branched out. They did New York, then they did France, and then Hawaii. The latest one is like Britain. I've been saying they should make a Texas Pokemon region. That would be awesome. And they're like that just cements that if you're saying it's just like so like varied. Oh yeah, I'd play the shit out of that. That'd, That'd be, be cool. cool. They could have like cool Texas Pokemon too. They could have like a I don't know a sheriff or something. <laughs> anyway. Going back to, like, our main topic for the episode, this is an episode about chili con carne. So tell me, what is the best chili that you've ever had? Uh, see, I knew I was going to be fucked up and, like, out myself as not Texan. I'm on, like, an <laughs> episode about chili. Uh, and I don't have chili too often uh, or from, like, restaurants and stuff, so I can't really say. Hmm. But I will say that Brianna's dad makes chili with... Like, fucking everything. Like, every single dish that they make. Like, last Thanksgiving, there was, like, five different things. And they all contain some type of chili with it. Like, chili and beans. And oh, then, like, chili good. and corn. It just chili by itself. It was, it was fucking ridiculous. That does sound really good. We just did our Thanksgiving <laughs> episode, like, last episode. And we, like, we were talking about, like... I like how different families, like different regions, have different takes on Thanksgiving. So, like, I never thought of like chili in Thanksgiving. That's cool. I like that. Oh hell yeah! Chili is the state dish of Texas, and as we covered earlier in the episode, it's deeply rooted in the state's history. In terms of like current day, is it as serious as it used to be? Do people take it as seriously as we're all led to believe? Holy fuck! Yes, <laughs> they do. <laughs> like, go to any restaurant. Any family cookout, any cook off, like just anywhere, and not find chili there. Like it's it's just not gonna fucking happen. It will be there in some form or another, here in Texas. <laughs> so it's true. That brings up then we mentioned earlier in the episode that there's this big debate with chili about whether or not beans belong in chili. So where do you fall on this personally? Uh. Back then, I would have said beans, but I've gotten so used to everyone just hating beans <laughs> that I'm close with, so I've turned into a no-beans guy for sure. It just it changes the texture a lot, so I prefer just a good old nice chunky chili, no beans, no bullshit. Hmm. Hmm. There's another variant of chili that you really like, right? It's not exactly like chili chili, though. Yes. Oh, my God. Cincinnati. <laughs> chili it's fucking chili on top of spaghetti and people think it's crazy and there's a lot of other shit on it there the the ingredients are weird uh if you tell them to people they think it's like fucking nasty there's cinnamon (laughs) cocoa and brown sugar in it so people are you know like what the fuck but it's actually extremely good Uh, if you order the chili by itself 
in places you can get it, they'll look at you like you're fucking crazy. <laughs> having a peanut butter jelly sandwich, but without the peanut butter. So, or actually, they, they won't even have it on the menu. You can't, can't fucking order it by itself because it's like, why are you here then? So, uh, yeah, Cincinnati Chili, uh, three-way is the standard way to have it. They call it ways. Um, if you just do two-way, that's really just chili spaghetti. But three-way uh. is pasta, uh, meat, and cheese. Four-way adds onions. Five-way adds beans. And then it's served with oyster crackers mm. and usually a coney with the same toppings on the side of it. Ooh. And then it's not uncommon to find like two or three bottles of Tabasco because like people just fucking <laughs> unscrew the cap and like dump it on there. So, I mean, oh God, it's so good to have it. Uh, speaking of Skyline Chili, uh, my grandmother visits in the winter. She's here now, actually. Um, she lives like 20 miles west of Cincinnati, uh, right on the right in Indiana on the border of Ohio and um, Kentucky. So when she comes down, she brings me uh, cans of Skyline oh. Chili, which you can get. Uh, it's cheaper locally. Like you can order it on Amazon, but this shit's like six dollars a can. Yeah, Amazon. So I just wait for her to bring it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, got all the fun stuff on here. Probably can't read it, but yeah, it, just like I was saying, you can do the three way, four way, five way. Has all the little suggestions for it. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I had no there, idea it, there was so much like lore to Cincinnati yeah. chili, like layers and shit. I never knew about that. That's really cool. They they do have a Texan uh, variant of it, and that's what I usually make when I don't have these cans here. Uh, the normal one, you're supposed to boil it in water, the meat, and then add everything in there. So you could probably hear it a little bit. It's a little watery, right? Mm. A little runnier, and the and the flavor's a little muted. Uh, Texas. How I do it myself, uh, I don't use water. I just have the juices of the meat do all of it for me. So it ends up right. being a little chunkier, and I tend to prefer it that way, at least until I get my hands on the real thing, and then right, I, right. I love this again. That's cool. That's cool. That is perfect timing that you got that. <laughs> I know what you Hell mean. Yeah. Amazon, they're sons of bitches. Like, they have Prime Pantry and stuff, and it's like... Prime you, Pantry is the most confusing thing I've ever tried yeah. to use. Like, trying to buy stuff on it. Like, you gotta have Prime, but then also some things aren't eligible for it. And then, like you said, all the food that you can get on there, it's, like, five times more expensive than if you just bought it at a store or something. Yeah, I've tried to, like, buy volume shit, but it's, like, the same price as yeah. me going down the fucking streets. It's like, well, I'll just go down the street and get it today. Yeah, it's not worth it. No. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that does it for our little interview section. Let's just dive right into... Just talking about modern day chili. So we'll shoot the shit about chili. Um, so, like in terms of like modern day applications of chili, I feel like one of the more like important cultural behemoths you see with them are chili cookoffs. Like uh, you mentioned before, that like you know those are all over the place in Texas. But uh, you know, for some reason, if any of our listeners, the term cookoff is foreign to you, I don't know why. But, uh, or you just don't understand compound words. <laughs> chili cook-offs are basically just these, like, folksy cooking contests where everybody shows up with a pot of chili, and voting is held to determine who the best one is. Usually you see these things at, like, festivals and carnivals and, like, fairs, like, state fairs or county fairs? Do they, do those even happen anymore? Like, I feel like the, uh... the concept of a state fair, like, only happens in, like, TV shows now. We've spent over 30 years living in New York State, and we've never heard of a state fair. There was the state fair. The Brookhaven oh, sorry. fair. 
Is that's that a county true. fair? I don't know. There is one fair that we have around here. Just not this year. Not this year, obviously. <laughs> There's a lot of fairs, a lot of things that happened in 2020, but uh, yeah, there. But I don't know. It's I don't know if it's a county fair or whatever. Is is there a, a Texas state fair? Like oh yeah, absolutely. Um, now I've never been to like the Big Pete one or whatever like you see in king of the hill that does exist by the way really it you know, was like back in the 90s <laughs> that's cool um but yeah we have an expo center it's like a big ass dome uh you know they'll throw a ferris wheel and a couple other things out there and then on the other side you know at the same time they have like stables where they do the auctions and stuff so ah. like at the same time this fair's going on they're doing auctions so you show up and it smells like horse shit <laughs> and like pig shit so you stay for five minutes you get some overpriced funnel cakes ride the ferris wheel tell them to stop at the top and then get the fuck out <laughs> that sounds like a fair honestly i'm really surprised though consider what you said before like it's just like texas is so huge the idea of like having a like just here you go everybody in texas here's where the fair is this is one little place <laughs> come here here in Patchog, we don't really have country fairs. Like, we do have a fall festival every October. When there's not a global pandemic. Yeah, every October that's not a pandemic year. But we do traditionally have a, a chili cook-off here in, you know, our hometown. And it features, like, there's, like, 2 million restaurants here in Patchog. So uh, they all participate. And last year, I think the winners were Hometown Bake Shop and Brickhouse Brewery. They yeah, for first. I voted for Hometown Bake Shop because it was really good. It had like cornbread and pickled veggies on top, and it was really good. They yeah. also have really good breakfast sandwiches and scones. So. Yeah, they're cool. They opened up recently. Uh, speaking of chili cook-offs, they're like they're actually like a really big deal now, like outside of Texas, and it's not even just an American thing anymore. Like they've actually spread to other parts of the world. Like for example, there's the the Upton Cheney Chili Festival in the UK in England. Ah, can't imagine what sorts of great foods they're tossing into chili into jolly old England. Ladies and gents, gather round. It's been quite a lock, and we've had some truly scrummy entries today, but it pleases me to announce today's winner, split peas and bloated paste chili. Based on traditional British cuisine, you see, we chose a true standout here. They actually reserve the nice greasy fat rows present in those fish, slice them all chunky-like and stock them straight into the chili, giving it a nice gamey, oily flavor. The bloaters themselves are freshly cured innards and gizzards and all. They smoked them whole and wouldn't you know, all those organs and entrails left in, they bloated right up, they did. That's why they call them bloaters after all. Guts in all, straight into the pot. Mm -mm. Oh, and the split peas, well, that's just to give it a nice bright green vomit color. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'd have to... Uh... I'd have to, if I had ate that, I'd have to have a beer and like put like twigs and mud and sticks <laughs> of shit in it and leaves. Give just yourself, to finish it out. Just, just hit yourself in the head first, a head injury. <laughs> bloaters are a real thing. Uh, bloaters, they're, they're a type of fish that gets cured with, like I said, all the innards and shit inside, which makes them bloat up and they're disgusting. And sometimes what they'll do is they'll grind those up into a fucking slurry, into a paste, and they just fucking put that on toast because English food, that's a running gag we have. <laughs> English food is awful. Like, oh. we love busting England's balls because we love them. Like, we we, 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 we have fun teas. Also, I have British heritage, so it's okay. <laughs> I, I got the Ancestry DNA <laughs> test results. Um, there you go. 
But, uh, it, you know, it's not totally out there to think England has no idea what they're doing with Chile either, because this is actually, like, hot off the presses. <laughs> we were watching Gordon Ramsay the other day. Um, he was doing, like, a, it was like, a Christmas special or something. And he was making, like, Mexican eggs or something like that. Oh, yeah, some Mexican brunch dish. Yeah, it was a brunch dish. It was, like, eggs. And he's, like, it's all finished up, and he's, like, adding in black beans. But, like, he's adding them in. He's, like, next up we have... Uh, now these are black beans. They're they're a variety of bean that's uh, that's very good and uh, fe prominently featured in like Tex-Mex and Southwestern American cuisine. It's just like explaining black beans. <laughs> We're like we all know what black beans are, Gordon Ramsay. Seriously, it's like the, the concept of like it's. I mean, they they they. I don't know. I don't know how common black beans are. Apparently not common enough yeah. that you know he needs to explain them to his audience. But whatever. But. Uh, Really, though, like, it is really cool that, like, we see other countries getting in on the action. Like, especially, like, there's an international chili society which sanctions cook-offs in America and other countries as well. They they run an annual circuit that culminates in the Chili World Championship every October. In addition to them, there's, uh, there's another international organization, the Chili Appreciation Society International, which sanctions over 550 chili cook-offs uh, cook of its own every year with their own international chili championship. I wonder if like those two chili organizations like secretly hate each other like uh like it's kind of like the nfl and the xfl <laughs> where like one is clearly superior much bigger and the other just won't go the hell away <laughs> according to chilicookoff.com which seems to be governed by the ics the reigning champions from 2019 are diane lentz in the traditional red category and lloyd weir in the homestyle category why are there two categories? I don't, I don't know what the fuck. There's, there's probably some long convoluted explanation that absolutely no one would understand or care about outside the people who could actually explain it to you. Yeah. But, uh... I want to be part of this. Yeah. I, I mean, hey, you're closer to the, than, than we are. Like, you can go chunk it out, like, presumably next year when, they, you know, when, when things happen again in the world. I didn't even know there's, like, two different traditional red and home style... I guess I've had Homestyle my whole life. I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> apparently, according to their website, uh, apparently the two categories stems from the bean debate that we mentioned earlier. Traditional is their super strict rule set, and Homestyle is anything goes with beans allowed. Basically, if Chili were Smash Brothers, Homestyle is items on, and Traditional is Fox only, no items, no and on Final Destination. <laughs> Now I got it. There you go. <laughs> so everyone can get that now. Super Smash Brothers. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I wonder how many international competitors actually make it to the World Championships. Like, do you think there's like this like little old Japanese grandmother who like unlocks the secrets to chili with like secret umami flavors, like chakra deep within, like bonito flakes or something? Like, you see a chef Saito. That's that's true. <laughs> They should, there should be a show about this. There I mean, should. you have, like, Kitchen Nightmares and all these other shows and shit. So I'm surprised there isn't. That. That's a perfect candidate for yeah. that shit. There's Great British Bake Off. There should be, like, Super Texas Chili Off or something. Yeah, the great International <laughs> Chili War. Come on. Who do we speak to to make that a thing? <laughs> uh, but uh, moving on, we have another popular chili fixture that we see everywhere from fast food joints to Coney Island to even Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> And that, of course, is the chili dog. Chili dogs, a.k.a. hot dogs covered in chili and cheese, have a bunch of disputed origin stories 
that we'll take a look at. The earliest mention we found about these was a claim that early hot dog stands in Altoona, Pennsylvania and Patterson, New Jersey started selling what they called Texas wieners. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, let's get out of our systems now, all of us. Let's let's, let's all just take a moment and giggle. Wieners. (laughs) We're going to be talking about wieners. Uh, There's a variety called hot wieners. (laughs) Hot wieners. (laughs) Hot Oh, uh, but seriously, these uh, these two claims that we found suggest that early versions of the chili dog were created around 1920 before they spread to New York City. So, uh, considering they were in the, like the Northeast, um, I'm gonna guess that it wasn't really authentic chili at the time. Uh, we say this specifically because there was a similar type of hot dog with chili lookalike tossed onto it which is another predecessor, like Coney Island dogs. Like, honestly, like, if there was just, like, I don't know. What I'm imagining was just, like, it was probably some Guido in Jersey who was just, like, they cooked up a pot of, like, marinara sauce, like, meat sauce, and they just added, like, red pepper flakes to make it spicy. We were like, oh, check it out. It's authentic. Big city Texas chili, like my sweet Nana used to make in the old country. Oh. <laughs> uh, Coney Island, we've... Have you ever been to Coney Island? I haven't. Uh, yeah, I've been to Coney I'm assuming you haven't been to Coney Island, Patrick. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> yeah, Coney Island is interesting because it's like, um, it's like, it's like the this weird combination of like kind of run down and dingy, but also like just like fun and like magical because like, you know, there's... It's like Amusement Park the Island. Yeah, there's like the, the Coney Island Amusement Park. There's, um, that's where Nathan's holds their like hot, hot dog, dog championship every year. But there's also just like, there's a beach. I don't know if you want to go swimming around like New York City water. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Coney Island, like, they, they have the Cyclone, which is a type of, it's a roller coaster. It's, like, the world's oldest roller coaster yeah. that, like, not the world's oldest roller coaster. It's one of the oldest roller coasters. It's made of wood, which is, like, crazy because, like, a hundred-year wooden structure that's got, like, fucking trains running across <laughs> it. But, uh, yeah, Coney Island's a lot of fun. If you ever come up to visit here in Texas, I'd love to take you there. You could, uh, get a couple of chili dogs and see how they compare to, you know, real chili. <laughs> Well, see, I need to do that because I've only been exposed to the conies that come with Cincinnati chili and like fucking Sonic like drive-ins <laughs> conies, and that's like not even like close to a representation of actually probably good like conies. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> the Coney Island dogs were created around the turn of the century in the early 1900s, before 1910. These things were served with a thick brown stew that contains meat. However, it was based on sauces brought over by Greek immigrants, and as such, it features flavors like oregano, parsley, dill, etc. And um, apparently, the meat it was made of was beef hearts. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Nah, y'all can keep that. Yeah, that that ain't a chili dog. Sorry, guys. I, I don't know why I'm saying that. Like, I know, like, I like I have any fucking right saying that's not a chili. I've never eaten a chili dog in my life. I wish I did. One day I'll make a hot dog that you will like as a chili dog. Yeah, I, my, the, the fatal flaw with me is I don't like hot dogs. I want to like chili dogs, but I don't like hot dogs, so that's like, doesn't work. There's a little conflict there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this other last story we have for the origin of chili dogs from the mystical, far-off land of mystery and nonsense, California. Ah, California. Sunny skies and endless beaches and and homeless men jerking off in the street right in front of you, and palm trees and perfect weather. It's 
perpetually on fire for 60% of the year. It's truly paradise. But, uh, yeah, depending on who you ask, there's two explanations for the invention of chili dogs. Weirdly, both of them are from the same time in 1939. Some people attribute it to a guy named Art Elkind. That's a name, Art Elkind. Um, he opened a hot dog stand in Los Angeles, and uh, apparently it's because he couldn't find work during the Great Depression, apparently as a chemical engineer. Huh, wow, gee, uh, can't imagine how someone could have problems finding a, a job in that field during the Great Depression. <laughs> Similarly, locals claim that Paul and Betty Pink, owners of Pink's Hot Dogs, started selling chili dogs when they also opened in 1939, since Mrs. Betty apparently cooked up a mean chili recipe. Yeah, it's hard to say which of them came first, because, uh, you know, as we've had to concede a bunch of times already in this show... We just need to settle for, like, a few people had the same idea around the same time. And it makes sense, at least, because California and Texas seem to be, like, intrinsically linked through their, like, southwestern geographic culture, much to their chagrin. <laughs> yeah. I, I know a lot of people from California are moving to Texas right now. Like, do you... That, like, is, that is correct. Really? Um, uh, a lot of businesses, the company I work for, actually, uh, they had an office in San Francisco and moved to Austin. Uh, if you ever played San Francisco Rush, uh, Midway, that uh, game company, they moved oh, to yeah. Austin. There's Blizzard Entertainment here. Weird. And Retro Studios. Ah. Yeah, so yeah, everybody comes to Austin, Prime. but it's it's slowly turning into its own little California because all the Californias are like replacing all the <laughs> Austinites. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's its own thing. Well, I mean, that's just more proof that Texas is better than California. And, like, hey, that that's unbiased because we live in New York, and I'm still saying California, not as good as Texas. Texas is way better. Hell so, yeah. You got your back, dude. Appreciate it. Let's see. After this, chili dogs grew popular quickly in the 1950s with the rise of fast food places and diners. And to this day, they are still heavily associated with fast food places. Yeah, fast food places and uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. That, uh, not joking around. Um We'd be kind of remiss to leave out that uh, randomly, officially, in canon, Sonic the Hedgehog's favorite food is chili dogs. Uh, interestingly, like, that wasn't originally thought up by, like, the original, like, makers of Sonic the Hedgehog who are, like, in Japan. Instead, it was suggested as, like, a just a stupid, like, one-off joke in the, like, Archie comics they made of Sonic the Hedgehog, which uh, they ran around, like, the 90s. That joke of him liking chili dogs was repeated a bunch of times, and then eventually it just got adopted into video games later on, and they're all over the place. Like, I think that's actually, like, a really fun, like, little trivia fact, since, like, that's really rare for, like, Americans to make up some dumb thing for, like, a Japanese property, like a show or a game, and then the Japanese creators are like, yeah, okay, that's, mm -hmm. that's official now. I really, yeah, like, I don't know. I think part of why I really want to like chili dogs is because like the little kid inside of me is like, I want to like the Sonic the Hedgehog food. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't know that about Sonic. I actually found that out only like, I don't know, a few months ago when Terminal Montage released this something about Sonic video and it uh, had like chili dogs featured in it. So I was like, is this a thing about Sonic I didn't yeah. know about or... Or what? But apparently it is. Yeah, it was all over the cartoons in the 90s. And then now they, I think, like, they're actually, like, used as, like, items in some of the Sonic mm -hmm. the Hedgehog games now. So, like, it came full circle. Oh, shit. 
Chili dogs are also Brent and Corner Gas's favorite food. Although that's about the only thing him and Sonic the Hedgehog have in common. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, a good Canadian sitcom. <laughs> the, they also, the main character, Brent and Sonic the Hedgehog, they're both sassy pants. That's true. So, so they got that. Um, in other tackier news, which is saying something because we just spent like five minutes <laughs> talking about Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, anyway, Hormel recently announced it's putting out a new canned chili that they're declaring to be the world's hottest chili con carne. Supposedly it's made with both ghost peppers and Carolina Reaper peppers, which trade off title for spiciest peppers in the world on a regular basis. Yeah, like, uh, if for some reason our listeners have never heard of ghost peppers, which th- I honestly, I really find that hard to believe because, like, it, it seems like the United States as a whole has just been obsessing over them for, like, the past decade. But for reference, let's just quickly talk about the Scoville scale, which is the way that you measure how spicy a chili pepper is. Uh, jalapeno peppers, which, you know, they tend to be, like, the baseline level for what most people will consider, like, wow, this sure is spicy. Jalapenos sit around, like... 3,000 units on average. Sometimes if they're bred or concentrated differently, they can reach like 6,000, 7,000, maybe 8,000. So, but overall, they're like a couple thousand units on this scale. The uh, the ghost pepper, meanwhile, it's, uh, it's a bit, bit spicier. And by a bit spicier, I mean it's fucking 2 million units. 2 million Scoville units. That's, yeah. As annoying as everyone's fascination with ghost peppers are, like, I will say that is really friggin' impressive. Like, that's a hundred times hotter than the pepper that most people think are too spicy for their nachos. <laughs> oh. What's the spiciest pepper you've ever had, Patrick? Oh, shit. Um, probably jalapenos. Really? Like some, like, habanero peppers and shit. There's nowhere to get it. Yeah, There's I was nowhere to get it or other. I've had because we grew habanero peppers in my garden once. They're really fucking spicy. <laughs> um, there was I. I think the spiciest thing I've ever eaten was I made like tostadas, which like they're you take like corn tortillas that are flat, you put like vegetables and like chicken and shit on them, and I wanted to put like some sauce on them. So I was like, I have my uh, my sister and her husband. Every time they go uh, like to. Like, I don't know, somewhere in, like, Mexico, or they travel a lot. So when they go to, like, Mexico or, like, Puerto Rico, they always give me hot sauce as a souvenir. They took home one year, they got me, like, Scotch Bonnet Habanero hot sauce, which I think they're, like, the spiciest variety of habanero. They're, like, um, they're, I think they're, like, 800,000. So they're not, they're maybe, like, a third of the way of of uh oh wow we have a fucking one of our ladybugs is crashing into the the light box over there uh but yeah so like really really spicy i foolishly on my tostada i was eating it in my bedroom when i lived in my parents and i had i put that scotch bonnet habanero sauce onto my tostadas i had a cartoon moment where like i bit into it and i was like oh my god this is really spicy and then started chewing and just like was just like oh like if if flames could have shot out of my mouth i they would have because like it was just instantly i like stood up and just like spit it in the garbage like and i ran downstairs to go and just started pouring water into my mouth and rinsing my mouth out it was i was just like i couldn't get there fast enough i had a lady send me spicy chocolate sauce homemade chocolate sauce Uh, like mole Uh, sauce uh kind of 
I had helped her with something. She was one of our contractors where I work, and she lives up in uh, the Seattle area. And, you know, I helped her out. She said she was going to send me a care package. So, yeah, that was part of it. Just a little, she put, like, little chilies in it or something, and there was, like, little bits of it inside the chocolate sauce. So, that was interesting. I'd never heard of it and never had it. So, it's pretty you cool. Mean- you made spicy, like, mole chocolate sauce for me once, right? Yeah. For a burrito? Yeah. We made each other burritos for one of our anniversaries or something. Yeah. And I was like, I'll make this. But, like, I couldn't taste it because, like, everything is too spicy yeah, to me. she doesn't like spicy And then I so. ended up just making the spiciest sauce, and you were like... Yeah, and I'm like, mmm, it's so good. Oh, okay, but yeah, so going back to this bit of news, Hormel is, uh, they're taking those ghost peppers that are just, like, mouth-destroyingly spicy, they're putting them into their new canned chili, which is cool, I guess, like, I, I'm sorry I sound a little skeptical, but, like, it's it's canned chili, like, nobody really gives too much of a shit about canned chili, like, do they? Like, I mean, you you said that, like, you, your grandmother gave you, like, the canned chili, but, like, is that because it's for the Cincinnati chili? Yeah, just for the Cincinnati chili part, since you can't find it anywhere. But otherwise, fuck it. Yeah, like, I imagine that's probably, like, sinful down there. Like, you get drawn and quartered. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, like, to be fair, I know a lot of people, like, they probably use, like, I know some people use canned chili as, like, a starter for, like, chili. But, like, I don't know, I guess it could come in handy, like, if you're, like, making from scratch and you just, you know, you want, like, ghost peppers to just add that little bit of zing to your chili to make people's rectums bleed exactly nine hours after they eat it (laughs) it just went on sale on target a few weeks ago and it seems like it's a limited edition but like all limited edition things like if it's popular enough i'm sure they'll bring it back yeah i mean like i don't really honestly i don't have that much of a problem with canned chili like you know it's it's not gonna be as good as homemade but you don't expect it to be it's just i don't know i used to use those like a quick like lunch because my mom would usually have some on hand so when i was living at my parents house like i would eat it a couple times a year just be like, oh, it's cold out. I want something nice and hearty, but I'm not going to make chili from scratch. So Let's... I'll crack open this can. <laughs> and I would always have the one with beans. Let's take Ooh. that anti-beanites. Shots oh. fired. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then interestingly, you know, it's, it's funny because, like, unlike a lot of foods, chili has actually remained pretty damn simple and it hasn't changed a lot since it's like its inception uh most recipes for it like they look they taste pretty similar like you know there's not a lot of experimenting with it like i guess that's could sort of be like attributed to its like basically sacred nature down in texas so like to do something trendy and stupid like uh dehydrated and then like serve it in ramekins as like a powder like that would be like blasphemy like <laughs> you'd probably get chased out of town probably <laughs> One more modern variation we do see on occasion is the concept of serving chili with a layer of cornbread baked on top of it. Like we've made it a couple times. It's good. It's yeah, a fun it's, twist. It's pretty good. Have you ever like seen that down there? Like cornbread uh, on top? No, it's always separate. I, I I don't know if people would think it's sacred to just keep it separate or something, but mm-hmm. no, I've never had mm-hmm. it. I've seen it like on top. It's crazy. Yeah, basically you just cook the chili like normally like a Dutch oven or something that can also, like, you know, a pan that can go in the oven. And you make cornbread batter and pour it over the top of the chili and then you stick it in the oven until the cornbread's baked. And it comes out, it's kind of like a pot pie, but like yeah. with cornbread on top and chili underneath. It's yummy. Yeah, we, uh, like we mentioned, there's like, we had the chili contest here in Patch of New York. And uh, that bake shop we mentioned that tied for first, their entry was, like, they that's what they do. They make a big 
cornbread pot pie using it. So what they did was, like you mentioned, they made little itty bitty yeah. like chili cups with like a little bit of cornbread on top. It was adorable. <laughs> and um, I mean, sometimes you also see like people serve chili con carne and tacos, which um, I don't know how to feel about that. It sounds good, but like you, you like you're from Texas. What is that allowed or no? Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent not allowed. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad we hell? knew. I'm glad we know. Like, <laughs> we don't have to worry. No way. Yeah, I mean, because chili is Tex-Mex and tacos are well, they're just Mex. <laughs> but uh, you know, Mexico doesn't seem to have much of a soft spot for chili. They don't eat it. Like according to you know, most of the research we saw, they just they originally shit talking it. But uh, I, I you know, I don't know. I guess. I guess if, like, Mexicans were putting chili, like, on their tacos, it'd be, like, reverse cultural appropriation? I don't know. Some dumb bullshit. Who knows? <laughs> A variation we didn't really mention at all today, because we haven't really, like, seen it much before we started this episode, is chili verde or green chili. But honestly, it doesn't even really sound like it should be allowed to be called chili, since it's made with pureed green chili peppers and salsa verde. What about, have, so is that something, that is that common down there in Texas, salsa, or like a chili verde? Or? Um, no, not really. I, actually, no, I've seen it here, here and there, but no, it's not Not common. common, yeah, so that's weird. I don't know where that came from. Like, I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong, like, it, it sounds pretty good. Like, it almost looks and sounds kind of like a Tex-Mex, kind of like curry, almost. Like, it, you know, but, uh, it, like, it features big chunks of pork instead of chopped meat. It's, like, thinner, watery-looking compared to, like, you know, thick, hearty chili con carne that we all, like, think about. And, uh, yeah, as we mentioned earlier, there's also Cincinnati chili, which, you know, uh, honestly, I'm surprised that Cincinnati chili is not a thing from here in New York, because, like, the concept of throwing chili... Onto a bunch of spaghetti absolutely sounds like some cavone in New York would do. I'm surprised. I don't know. It just made its way to Texas, and I've only really seen it, like, I kind of base it on how sprawled out Skyline Chili is. It's, of course, in Ohio where it's based, and then it kind of spreads around to Indiana, and I think there's some in Tennessee, but it's just really? like that one little section right there. You have to be a Hoosier or Ohioan, I guess. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I guess it's like it made its way down mm-hmm. there. That's really cool. Uh, I mean, speaking of New York shit, uh, there is one last thing I need to bring up that my family did that I think is actually like really wrong. But like I was, I wasn't sure as a kid. I never spoke up about it. My mom serves her chili when she makes it she serves it over white rice is that a thing um yes but i've only seen that a couple times like no yeah no i I don't because like no it's even weirder because my parents don't really like rice that much so for them to bust out white rice like it was a special occasion like we're making chili tonight and i was just like okay i'm seven i don't know just eat it no, yeah, like, I'm not big on white rice to begin with, so I don't know, mixing those two things together. Nah. Yeah, I hadn't seen anyone do that before we started dating either. And like, like I have Midwest heritage, and like we're known for m- mushing together foods that don't really go together, so I don't know where that came from. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll have to ask her about it sometime, just be like, where did you get that shit from? And... 
I don't know. Like, not that. Yes, that is how my mother and I interact together. Again, we are. My mother was born and raised in Brooklyn, and I am her son. So we just—that's how we talk. So. Cursing each other. Yeah, we curse at each other. That's 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 the <laughs> true New York relationship between a mother and her son, and that is beautiful. Oh man, any closing thoughts on you know on like modern day Chile, Chile as a whole, whatever? Anyone have any final thoughts? I sure as hell learned quite a bit today about chili. It's making me hungry, actually. Uh, I think right after this, I'm going to throw this in the pot. Nice. Old skyline. We just had chili. I haven't had it. Didn't we? Or, yeah, you made pumpkin chili or yeah, something, right? Yeah, a couple weeks yeah. ago. We, had, we have a lot of pumpkin puree sitting around because, like... Because it's, it's fall. Yeah, it's fall. <laughs> and, like, stupidly, a lot of stores around here, like, they'll, like, start stocking pumpkin puree, like canned pumpkin only like in september and october november and then after that's like nope pumpkin doesn't exist anymore you can't get it or it's more expensive yeah so we stock up and now we've stocked up too much but it was good it was i mean it tasted like chili couldn't really taste the pumpkin so i don't know i guess with that that should about cover it for today's main course hope you guys saved room as always for some dessert Oh, yeah, this is fun. I like this. Like, uh, I'm glad we had you on, Patrick. This uh, this has been fun doing, like, getting a guest in. Yeah, it's fun. I appreciate being your first one. It's fun. I've I've been watching them, of course. I've been following them, so it's cool to actually appear on one. So, yeah, thanks again. No prob. I mean, we we had to. We're doing chili. Like, you're the only person that... No, never mind. I was about to say you're the only person we know who lives in Texas, but she is just family in Texas. Never mind. We were literally doing, like, a (laughs) Google Duo call with them on Thanksgiving. Censor that out. Never mind. I never said that. But, uh... Yeah, so this is the dessert section, so all of our fans know that this means fun and games and wacky dumb shit. But today, we've got a new edition for dessert. Today, we're going to play a game called Pokemon or Medicine. I'm really excited. Pokemon or Medicine is a game that I thought of a long time ago, before I even started doing stand-up comedy. And I never really had a place to try it out. So, like, I thought about trying to start, like, local trivia nights here in, like, Patchogue and, like, using it there. Like, we've got a lot of cafes and bars and shit. But I never really got the opportunity to do so. So it's just been sitting in my head for, like, five years driving me crazy. But the time has finally come. So, basically, everybody likes Pokemon. Everybody likes medicine. Both come in countless varieties and cool names, and as such, trying to distinguish between the two of them is a lot harder than you might imagine. So now, me and Meg are both certified Pokemon masters, so we can't really participate, but anytime we get a guest like Patrick on, we're going to quiz them just for funsies, so let's give it a whirl here. I also watch too much television, so I hear all the like medicine ads That's on true. TV. That's true, yeah. I'm qualified just, in both. Yeah, I'm a Pokemon master, you're a pharmaceutical master, <laughs> so we're cheating here, but uh... Yeah, so basically, the way that this is going to work is I'm going to read out a name, and Patrick here, you're going to guess whether it is a Pokemon or a medicine. I'll tell you how you did, and we're going to, you know, we got we got a big chunk of them. We'll see how long it takes, but uh, let's start off. Are you ready to get challenged? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to suck at this. I only beat Red when I was like eight. And I haven't ever played anymore. I mean, I know a couple from Smash Brothers and like Pokemon Snap, but that was still back in the (laughs) red days. So I don't know. I'm going to give it a shot. Let's see how we do. So, all right. Number one, Geodon. Geodon. That 
must be some relation to Geo Dude. I'm gonna say that's Pokemon. Oh, unfortunately, no. I got what? to the curveball in the beginning. Geo Don, no. Uh, I threw that in and I fooled you because uh, Geo Don <laughs> is actually oh my freaking I lost my place here because the stupid Google Docs. Geo Don also is. <laughs> Zibracidone, Zibracidone is an antipsychotic medication, <laughs> and it works by the changing fuck? the effects of chemicals in the brain. It's used to treat bipolar disorder. That could be a Pokemon too. It's psychic type. Yeah, sure. I wonder if they, like, you know, they look at medicine names like, can we change this and make this into a Pokemon name? <laughs> I don't Who know knows? why it's called Geodon. Like a lot of times with medicine names, you can tell where they're going. Like I don't know. They'll like use like a scientific word that kind of sounds like what it does and just change. But this is just like it's an antipsychotic for bipolar, and it's called Geodon. Jeez. All right, number two, uh, we have Yveltal. That's gotta be a fucking medicine. Oh no! <laughs> oh God, get the fuck out! No, it's a Pokemon. Yveltal is it's actually a legendary Pokemon. It's from Pokemon X and Y. It's a big <laughs> red bird that kind of an asshole. When it like it sleeps in an egg and like every thousand years or something, it wakes up and everything dies that's near it. So uh yeah. The, fuck that Shit. Pokemon. <laughs> Alright, number three. Ariados. Ariados. That's gotta be Pokemon. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, yeah. At least got Ari one. Ariados. Ariados is it's actually, uh, it's from Pokemon Gold and Silver. It's uh, one of the earlier ones. It's, uh, it's a little spider guy. He's poison and bug. And uh, I, I like it. He's an early Pokemon. Like, um, I don't know. I thought that one was like, uh, that, that one's like Arachnid, Ariados, and I don't know, Doses 2. Ah, there we go. Yeah, so flex that brain. Next up, number four, we have Trintelix. Trintelix. It sounds like some like depression medicine. I'm going to call that a medicine. You'd be correct. Uh, yeah. Ah. <laughs> Trintelix, also known as Vorteoxidine, <laughs> is a prescription medication that also affects chemicals in the brain that may be imbalanced. It's an antidepressant used to treat major depressive disorder. Hey! You called it. You got that one. You were spot on. You got that it was a medicine, also that it was uh, a psychotic one. Anything that like ends with X just has to be, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. Um, although I'm, I'm now I'm curious if there's any Pokemon that ended. No, yeah, there's there's Onyx. Who could fucking never mind. Yeah, there you it's go. Fucking the first one. Uh, all right. Next up, we have number five, Xerkatry. Zerkatry, that sounds like circuitry. It's got to be an electric Pokemon. Come on. Ding, ding. Good <laughs> job, man. You're on a roll now. That's three in a row. Yeah, Zerkatry, yeah. which is spelled with an X to make it just annoying. <laughs> Zerkatry, yeah, that's uh, it's an electric Pokemon. It's from Pokemon Sun and Moon. It's like a weird cable man. It's like a bunch of cables, like shaped like a dude, and it's got like electric shooting out of where it's headed. It's kind of creepy. It's they made these new variation of Pokemon like uh, a few years ago called Ultra Beasts that are just like these like basically the Pokemon version of like Eldritch Abominations or something. So 
But uh, yeah, and he's electric, so you got that too. So next up, we have number six, Lunala. Lunala. Ooh. That's, uh, okay, I'm going to go with my gut and call that medicine. Ah, you fell Damn for it. it. Lunala. <laughs> Lunala is another Pokemon from Sun and Moon, which, uh, it's, it's like a bat. It was like the mascot Pokemon of Pokemon Moon version. It's, it's a bat thing that, like, when it raises its wings, it looks like a moon. And, Fuck, uh, I should have got that with it being Lunala, Lunar, Moon, I mean... Damn it! <laughs> who could have? Who could have? You know, I don't know. We're, as we're as we're coming to to realize here, it's uh, not as easy as just. <laughs> that's why we started doing this. I mean, it's funny because when I was researching medicines to put into this, a lot of people when I, when I was like typing in like stupid pharmaceutical names, a lot of comments on the articles were like, a lot of these sound like Pokemon names. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. Next up, we have number seven, Lunesta. Oh, Lunesta is definitely a medicine. Correct. Lunesta Uh is definitely, yeah. (laughs) Lunesta ezopiclone is a sedative drug and also a hypnotic. It affects chemicals in the brain that maybe blah, blah, blah. It's used to treat people with sleep problems and insomnia. So, as you <laughs> yeah, I should, I should, I could use some of that. I'm, I'm I not. have seen the commercials for that at least, so that's that's what I'm for sure on. Honestly, you could flip flop those Lunala and Lunesta, <laughs> like, and it would just no one would know the difference. <laughs> yeah. Next up, number eight, we have Larvesta. Larvesta, well, that's got to be a larva type Pokemon. That is correct. Larvesta. See, dude, you're dude, you're like, I, I, we should be keeping track to find out how many you got right. <laughs> Larvesta. Yeah, Larvesta is, uh, it's like a big old caterpillar man or a caterpillar guy. He's a fire type bug. He's like a silk moth, I think, actually, but he evolves into like this big moth with like sun wings. But, uh, yeah, his Pokedex entry is when he's battling Pokemon, he sprays fire from its horns. The max temperature of the flames can reach nearly 5,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Jesus! Oh, shit. That's dangerous. <laughs> That's from a caterpillar, too. So, motherfuck. Uh, number nine, we have Flomax. <laughs> okay, uh... Off the bat, that sounds like constipation medicine or something. <laughs> uh, I, okay, it's got to be medicine. Let's try medicine. Medicine would be correct. See, dude, you're on a roll. <laughs> Flomax, also known as Tamsulacin, is an alpha blocker that relaxes the muscles in the prostate and bladder. Oh. <laughs> which makes it easier to urinate. It's used to improve urinary function in men with benign prostate hyperplasia. I was close. <laughs> Same thing. You're just constipated in your like pee. Bladder. Yeah, your pee <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. exactly. And then we have, we'll do six more of these. So number 10, we have Ozempic. Ooh. That sounds Pokemon-ish. Yeah. Ozempic is a medicine. Fuck. Ah, the streak ends. <laughs> Ozempic, which is also known as semaglutide, is a hormone that occurs naturally in the, or is similar to a hormone in the body that helps control blood sugar 
And it's a diabetes medicine. That's that's all you need to know. It's a diabetes uh, drug. I feel like half the like medication commercials on TV are for like diabetes. Yeah. Pretty much. Diabetes sucks. Rest listeners peace, never uh, get diabetes. <laughs> listeners, you'll it'll fuck you up. And rest um, in peace, Wilford Brimley. Yeah, <laughs> good old Wilford. He died, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, just recently. Rest in peace, my dude. Yeah. Uh, all right. You know what? Let's do. Yeah. Okay. Number eleven, Xeljans. Xeljans. Uh, ooh. Pokemon. Oh, gotcha again. Damn it, Xeljans. <laughs> which another one that's really freaking hard. It's spelled X E L J A N Z. Xeljans oh. is uh I. Hmm, I don't actually yeah, have Gelgens looked up here. Zeljans. <laughs> I lost my Zeljan notes. Let's see. Ooh, Ooh just clunk Charlie, just in, the Charlie in the face. This is some good friggin' uh, <laughs> good radio here. Zeljans is no, this is Renflexus. You yeah. know what? Zeljans is a drug, and we'll leave it at Everyone that. Everyone can figure it out. Though. Everyone can figure it out. I lost my notes for it. Number twelve is Taltz. Halts. Fucking I, okay. I'm gonna stick with my guns here. The last couple say Pokemon. Oh, again. <laughs> oh no. Halts. Halts is also known as. Jeez, these fucking drug names. Halts is known. Exekizumab is an immunosuppressant. Reduces the effects of inflammation. It treats psoriasis. So it treats like dry, scaly skin. <laughs> Maybe I should get this. Nice. 13 <laughs> is Routes. Routes. Fuck. Um, Pokemon. Yes, you're Yay. back, dude. Ah, routes. Right. I think Routes and Taltz might have actually been the thing that inspired me <laughs> to start this game. Routes is a little, like, psychic guy with, like, Green hair covering its face. It's got little horns. For Pokemon, was a helmet. Ruby and Sapphire. I don't know if it was a helmet or whatever. But yeah, it's a little psychic fairy dude. But uh, yeah, so we're back in we're back in good territory. So number 14, we got two left. 14, LGM. LGM. How is that spelled? E-L-G-Y-E-M. LGM. LGM. I would okay. Let's go with medicine. Oh no, we tricked you again. <laughs> LGM. LGM is a Pokemon. It's uh, from Black and White. Pokemon Black and White. It's a little alien. Yeah, he's an alien based on like uh, the acronym LGM, like Little Green Man. Oh. You know, little psychic alien dude. Damn it. He's fun because the guy he actually evolves into like a. Another alien guy who's like wearing a trench coat and a hat. He's supposed to look like he's wearing a disguise. Named BEM. I like those guys. They're cool. And we're on the last one, number 15, Altaria. Altaria. God, like every single name, I just imagine Humera. Whatever that. <laughs> so I think, okay, it's got to be, it sounds medicine y. But um, say it again. Altaria. A-L-T-A-R-I. Altaria. Altaria. 
Fuck, that sounds Pokemonish, but I'm gonna say medicine. Oh <laughs> no, you should. Nah, I knew it was. Uh, that just it looked. It sounded too like fucking dreamy and shit. Altaria <laughs> should have stuck to with be Pokemon. a medicine. I should have known. Altaria is a bird that's like covered in clouds. It's like a blue bird that has like all its bodies covered in clouds and it's got cloud wings. Cloud wings. Yeah, it's a fluffy fucking bird. And weirdly, it's dragon type. It, I don't know. <laughs> Fuck, I think I I think I barely I think I was on the, the low end there. I think I got less than half. <laughs> I think you probably got fifty out of fifty. Like I said, we're idiots. We should have keep we should have been keeping track we'll of this. Tally it when you do it. Yeah, you we'll tally it up score in the, the video. We'll here it is. Your score is, is is right here. It's on the screen. Ding ding ding. <laughs> hey, if you ever do Mario trivia in the future, then fucking I'm your dude. You'll for that. Hate that. <laughs> Well, after there's a lot of Mario characters out there that are just like like weird that no one's ever heard of. So like that might be fun for viewers. So we'll have to try that again. <laughs> oh man! So with that, peeps, I think we're all set here. Check, please. So that is it for this week's edition of Poor Couples Food Guide Deep Dish Podcast. Remember, we are, in fact, the only podcast left we are more likely to learn about cereal than serial killers. Search recipes, cooking tips, and other cool stuff on our website, poorcouplesfoodguide.com. And don't forget, you can always write in to us at mail at poorcouplesfoodguide.com to ask for any food advice you may need. You can also send in any comments, feedback, criticism, hate mail, love mail, chain letters, postcards, and whatever random ponderings to cross your mind. Once again, that's mail at poorcouplesfoodguide.com or if you like you can hit us on Facebook, YouTube and Instagram as well. While you're at it try and give us some ratings and reviews on whatever platform you're using. It really helps us gain exposure which is great while we're trying to help Deep Dish's audience grow. Or if you're on YouTube please give us a like if you haven't smash that subscribe button to pieces. Also if you could go to ratethispodcast.com slash deepdish and from there you can just re- review us on multiple platforms at once. We just we, we just figured that out. Yeah. So, uh, quick, you know, big, big shout out and big thank you to Patrick here. We really appreciate Thanks you coming again. on, dude. Absolutely. I'm glad I'm, I was here for this. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. And, uh, like, we all learned a lot about chili. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, maybe you can take that to, like, your friends and family and tell them, now, did you know the history of chili, <laughs> the true history of chili? I'm full of facts now. Yeah, well, anyway, until next week, you know, next week we'll be going into the holidays, and uh, for next episode, we'll probably be focusing on holiday dishes, so we haven't decided yet, but you can expect a Christmas-themed episode. So until then, we bid you a good day and good eat, so stay hungry and keep feeding that brain. And tummy! Wait, is that sync clap going to work for us too, though? Yeah, it, uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs>